You are listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. Resonate is a collegiate church planning network in the Northwest. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at resonate.net. Hey, Resonate. My name is Josh, and I'm one of your pastors, and it is good to be with you today. Uh, last week, we started a series called Anchors and Sales where we're talking about the season we're in and how we so desperately need to be anchored so that when the winds and the waves come our way, we will not accidentally find ourselves drifting to a place that God never intended us to be. Uh, This season is significant, and there is a lot going on. There's a lot of change happening. And one of the things that we need to grieve in this season is all of the change that was sprung on us. I don't know about you, but, but for me, I had big plans for 2020. Our church had big plans for 2020. We were going to do some stuff. We were going to conquer some stuff. We were going to accelerate some stuff. And all of that changed. Uh, If you want to just get sad uh, later today, go through your planner or through your calendar and look back at all the stuff that was supposed to happen that didn't happen. Virtual graduations, postponed weddings, travel plans canceled. Like right now, as I am preaching this, the semester school students are supposed to be driving down to California for Elevate. Like right now, they they would be going down to Elevate. Uh, What what is Elevate? Elevate's a 10-week discipleship experience down in San Diego. But instead of being in San Diego, these students are now no longer going to be at the beach. They are now in their parents' basement. So they've traded the beaches for the guest bedroom with a treadmill. They pictured something else, and that has not happened, and they are out of control. And when you feel out of control, you get worried and you get anxious. And this leaves us open to the lies and the schemes and the temptation of the enemy. So this is a big deal. There's a real enemy and he doesn't want you to trust God. He wants you to look at these scenarios that are out of your control and he wants to exploit them and create inside of us, in our hearts, an ongoing and ever-present anxiety. The enemy wants to burden us down with worry. And listen, for many of us, we have a lot of issues and we got a lot of problems and that's legit, but but our issues aren't the real issue and our problems aren't the real problem. It's our anxiety about our issues that's the real issue. It's our anxiety about our problems that are the real problem. And Jesus knew this. That's why in Matthew chapter six, he tells us, don't worry about your life, but seek first the kingdom and all of these things will be given to you as well. So Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life. Seek first my kingdom. And and what he's really saying is, this is a big deal, your anxiety, because it's preventing you from living into the kingdom. And so another way to say it is, for many of us, the primary thing keeping us from living out our God-given purpose in the world is anxiety. The biggest deterrent for me and you to seek the kingdom and walk in God-given purpose, according to Jesus, is our anxiety. So don't don't get mad at me, that's Jesus talking. And in Luke chapter 8, he reiterates this with the parable of the sower, where he tells a story about someone throwing out the seeds of the gospel. And the gospel's landing in different soils, and one of the soils sprouts up a plant that can bear fruit, but ultimately weeds devour that plant and take over that plant. And later the disciples, they ask Jesus, what is this weed that, that choked out the plant? And Jesus says, that weed is the worries of life. The worries of life. So Jesus is clear. Many of us don't have the life we were meant to have because the worries of life are choking us out. They're sabotaging our purpose. 
We feel prompted to do something. We don't move on it because we're anxious. We don't move on these things that God's spoken to us, or we don't even hear his voice anymore because we're being choked out by the, the lies and the schemes of anxiety and worry and the enemy in our ears. So this is no small thing. Anxiety will lead us down a broken path. The worries about your grades will lead you to cheat. Anxiety about dating will lead you to compromise. Start dating someone you should have never dated. Anxiety about money can lead you to make unethical decisions. Worry about being liked will lead you to embellish stories. Anxiety for some of us will lead us into lives of addiction so that we could create some kind of relief or some kind of escape. For some of us, like we have to go to the doctor because our anxiety is so crippling that, that we have heart palpitations and, and this can literally kill us. So this is a big deal. Anxiety, worry, it's a big deal for our hearts, for our purpose, and for our future. So how do we deal with this? What does God have to say about this? Well, if you have a Bible, would you grab it and turn to Philippians chapter 4, where we see a pathway out of this chaos. And listen, as you're turning there, I want to briefly say, uh, I, I recognize there are medical conditions around anxiety. And there are disorders that, that are connected to anxiety. So please know that this sermon is not talking about that. Uh, we are pro-counseling. We are pro-you doing whatever you need to do to get healthy. I am a pastor, not a doctor. So that is not what I am talking about. We are trying to ask the question today, how do we spiritually fight anxiety? And how do we experience more of the peace that has been given to us in Jesus? And in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6, we get the answer to that. In verse 6, it says this. This sounds like Jesus talking, but this is the Apostle Paul. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So this is the Apostle Paul. He's in house arrest. He's under a ton of stress. He's burdened. He's got the churches on his mind. He is ultimately on his way to being martyred for the gospel. And his, uh, his voice is strong in verse 6, where the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul says, Be anxious for nothing. You, me, Resonate Church, you and I, we are never called to be anxious God never requires anxiety from us. There is not a scenario in the world where God looks down at his people and says, okay, this is a real tough one. Let's rev up some worry around this thing. It's going to really require some anxiety to get through this. He never calls us to be anxious. But this doesn't mean you and I don't have issues and we're not burdened down by things. It just means we aren't supposed to carry those things anxiously. And so in the Greek, this word anxious means to be drawn in different directions or to be pulled all over the place. And so, so the scripture is saying, don't be pulled all over the place about anything. Be anxious for no thing. And then it says, but in all things, but in everything, what? Pray. So be anxious about no thing, but in everything, pray. And so whenever my chest tightens, whenever your, your chest tightens or your body activates with anxiety, 
You're not supposed to let it pull you in different directions. You're supposed to grab that thing and lay it before the Lord in prayer. That's what the scripture says. Be anxious for nothing. Pray. And so listen, let's be honest. I think some of you have totally checked out right now. Because the Bible just said the cure to anxiety is pray. And many of you are like, Josh, thanks, but no thanks. That does not help me at all. And so listen, before you start to hate on this approach from the Bible, let me ask you this. How is your approach working for you? And listen, I already know that this, this topic is a huge deal in the life of Resonate Church because my wife led a, a breakout session at ResCon around mental health and like the entire conference went to that breakout session. How do I know that? I was simultaneously leaving a breakout session on missional theology and only 22 of you people came to that breakout session. Did I count those people? Yes. Am I still mad about it? Yes. Am I surprised? No. No, I'm not. And I'm actually glad you guys went to my wife's session. She's incredibly helpful. So listen, this is real. And this is relevant. How do we deal? How, how are you dealing with your anxiety? And let's be honest, how is it working for you? So if you were to rewrite the scripture, be honest, would it say, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, escape into social media and scroll on your phone for five hours a day? How, how's that working for you? Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, double down, become a workaholic, and fix everything yourself because it all depended on you anyways. How's that working for you? Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, suppress your feelings and walk around like a volcano about to explode on some innocent bystander at any moment. How's that working for you? Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, go to the refrigerator and eat your feelings. How are those carbs working for you? And listen, I get it. I have been known to eat an entire sleeve of Girl Scout cookies in one sitting. I have eaten my way through Thin Mints multiple times as a pathway to fixing my anxiety. It does not work. I sympathize with you. Be anxious for nothing, but instead pretend everything's fine and work tirelessly to, to preserve your image. How's that going for you? And I think for some of us, if we're really honest... Our version of the Bible would say, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, bury your anxiety and addiction. These pathways all end to destruction. And God knows that, and he, he wants us to walk out of that. That's why Philippians 4 is so helpful. So there's a pathway laid out here. There's a better solution. And here it is. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, pray. And so number one, this text is teaching us. Number one, confess your anxieties to God. Let your worry be known to God. Stop pretending. It is not godly to deny that this stuff is going on inside of us. Let those anxieties rise up and share them with the Lord. Don't push them down deep. Pick them up and show them to God. Through prayer and petition, make your anxiety known to God. Let them rise up and hand them over to God. This is a command in the scripture. In 1 Peter, it says, cast your anxiety on him, command, because he cares for you. In Psalm 55, it says, cast your anxiety on him, command, he will sustain you. The, the scripture is saying God can do something about it. And here's the good news. He wants to. He wants to do something about it. He wants to carry those things for you. And so this is what that looks like practically. You need to have moments throughout your day. 
in the morning, at night, at lunchtime, just throughout your day, you should ask yourself, how am I feeling? I don't know for some of you that's a lot harder than for others of you, but ask yourself, how am I feeling? Sad, confused, trapped, burdened, irritated, frustrated. And, and then whatever that thing is, then ask yourself, why? Why am I feeling that? This is what King David does in the Psalms. He, he looks at his soul and says, why are you downcast within me, O oh my soul? Why am I feeling what I'm feeling? And then process that before the Lord. Be honest with God in real time about what you're experiencing. So you say, God, I'm stressed about my future. Why? I want this season of a virus to end so that my life can get back on track. Why? Because I have some plans that are being sent a different direction. And I need those to get back on track. Why? So that I can be a successful person. Why? So that I can matter in this world. Wow. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, that, that's an identity issue. That has nothing to do with your future. And so you process before the Lord. And you ask him. You ask yourself, how am I doing? And then you process it out with the Lord. Raw, gritty, honest, straight talk with God. Bring it up. He can carry it. It's not too heavy. Dump it all on the Lord. This is something I've done over the years to help me with my anxiety. It's even about breathing. And it comes from a story in Mark chapter 9 where Jesus has an encounter with this demon-possessed boy and his dad. And the dad's like, Jesus, can you help my son? And, and Jesus is like, if I can help your son, of course I can help your son. Anything's possible for those who believe. And then the dad says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That has been something that's been helpful for me over the years. It's, it's literally a breathing technique where I would breathe in. Lord, I believe. And I would breathe out. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. We've got to confess our stuff to God and breathe in his truth and just let that stuff go to God. That's the scripture's command on our lives. So number one, confess your anxieties to God. Point number two in this sermon is something that I have been more excited about than maybe anything I've preached in a long time. If I was a charismatic preacher, I would go over the top on point number two and I would be like, I'm like medium charismatic. I'm not like highly charismatic. So I'm going to go medium charismatic right now. And even before I tell you point number two, I'm going to say, Lord, let this point break the stronghold of anxiety in people's life. God, may the truth of this next point set some people free for generations. That, I would say something like that if I was really charismatic. But since I'm medium charismatic, that, that's all I'm going to give you. So here's point number two. Allow your anxiety to fuel a life of prayer without ceasing. Allow your anxiety to fuel a life of prayer without ceasing. In the scripture, this is not just a one and done thing. You do in the morning or don't do it at night and then you're done. The, the Bible says in every situation, some translations say without ceasing, let this be going on in your life. And so Resonate Church, the greatest weapon against anxiety is prayer without ceasing. The greatest underutilized weapon in the life of the believer against anxiety is prayer without ceasing. Now, the most helpful thing I've ever heard about prayer without ceasing has to do with the way you frame prayer. Now, many of us think that the most important thing for us to do if we're going to become people that pray without ceasing is to rev up our discipline. We need to become more disciplined if we're going to pray without ceasing. I submit to you, Prayer without ceasing has nothing to do with discipline. It has everything to do with growing your desperation. 
If you want to learn to pray continuously, you don't need more discipline. You need a more heightened realization of how desperate you really are for God. When it comes for food and when it comes to water, you don't sit around and think, I need to be more disciplined so that I can eat food. You think I'm hungry, therefore I need to eat. To increase our prayer life, we need to grow in increasing our desperation. And so here's what I mean. Anxiety, those, those chest-tightening, activating moments in our lives, they are tools for us to recognize and to be revealed at how needy we really are. Use them. What the enemy is coming at us and intending for evil, we as believers in Jesus can turn that for good. Resonate. Allow your anxieties to become a megaphone in your life that yells, pray, 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 pray. Every time they come for you, you turn them. And you make them become a megaphone that helps you learn to pray. This seems to be the strategy widely used in the New Testament. You cannot find one of Paul's letters where he doesn't talk about prayer without ceasing. This seemed to be normative in the life of the New Testament believer. In Romans 1, he says, For God is my witness that without ceasing I mention you always in prayer. 1 Corinthians 1, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the gift of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Ephesians 6, 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication for you. Colossians 1, and so for the day that we've heard about this, we have not ceased to pray for you. Colossians 4, verse 2, we continue steadfastly in prayer, always being watchful for you in thanksgiving. Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, we're always struggling on your behalf in prayer so that you might stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. 2 Timothy chapter 1, I thank God whom I serve as day and night I constantly remember you in my prayers. Praying without ceasing was normative in the New Testament. And listen to me, it is not that they were less stressed out than us. Paul was so stressed out that multiple times he references the pressure of the churches crushing him. And one of the times in the Bible, he says he is in the pain of childbirth, wishing that he could have other people come to know Jesus. Just read the end of Romans chapter 7 if you want to read what anxiety looks like. But Paul knew something about anxiety. He knew that when it came to him, he could leverage it and he could use it as a pathway that would help him be thrown back into the arms of God. So listen, the enemy wants to use anxiety to trigger you to escape. God wants to use anxiety to trigger you to engage. The enemy wants you to escape and run from everything that's going on. And God wants to leverage that anxiety to trigger you to engage. So stop trying to fight your anxiety on your own. When anxiety comes and knocks on the door, you open the door and you say, Hello, anxiety. Glad you're here. I would like for you to meet my friend Jesus. Instead of trying to suppress it or manage it or tune it out or make it go away with pleasure, instead, what if we used it to turn our hearts to God? Use anxiety as a doorway in to continuous prayer. I'll go a step further. Let your anxiety become your prayer. Whatever you're going through, just pray it. Just say it out loud. 
As your heart and your circumstances generate problems, your heart generates prayer. Every time you generate a problem, you generate a prayer, and it becomes something you can leverage for your relationship with God. Paul Miller, in his book, A Praying Life, he says, anxiety is what happens when you don't pray without ceasing. He says, an unused prayer link is what anxiety looks like. You're flying around like a broken power line, destroying everything you touch. You have a weapon and a gift in prayer. Use it. So number one, confess your anxiety to God. Number two, allow your anxiety to fuel a life of prayer without ceasing. And number three, receive your Father's thoughts so you can receive your Father's peace. So as you and I learn to pray without ceasing, and we can learn to turn our anxiety into prayer, then then the scripture goes on and says your mind can turn to what? Verse 6, 7, and 8. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, whatever's excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Then what happens? The God of peace will be with you. Praying without ceasing changes the way you think, and it gives us our Father's thoughts. And then that gives us our Father's peace. And then that teaches us to trust Him again and not believe the lies that anxiety and worry are telling us. That, that, that's the beauty of this passage, that there's a, a pathway with a reward at the end. That it changes the way I think and it changes the way I feel. And it changes my connection with God and it's profound. And so, so there's something in this about learning to trust again that's so important. Because I, I think we have to say this, and this may, this may feel like it's a harsh truth, but it's, it's real. That the root of our anxiety is a disbelief or a mistrust in God's character. So anxiety is the presenting issue, absolutely. But the underlying issue is that you and I don't think God is trustworthy. We don't think he's trustworthy. We don't think he's going to provide for us. We don't think he knows our needs. We don't think he's going to do that thing. We don't think he can make it happen. We think if we don't do it, it's not going to happen. The underlying issue is we don't think God is trustworthy. And praying is the means by which we learn to trust God again. So I, I think this is the reason why anxiety is such a big deal to Jesus. Anxiety is a big deal to Jesus because he knows that his father's trustworthiness is on the line. And Jesus, more than anybody else, knows that his Father is absolutely, unequivocally trustworthy. He knows that his Father is good, and he knows that we can call God our Father because of all the things that he has done to grant us the gift of the gospel, to give us the gift of adoption. Jesus knows that his Father is trustworthy, and he knows every time that his believers us don't live showing that he's trustworthy and every time we live that we have anxiety and worry crippling our lives we are telling the world God can't be trusted and that's offensive to Jesus and so he 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 is on a mission to get us to understand the trustworthiness of God and he knows that his father is trustworthy even the reason we can pray to God as our father is because of how often Jesus taught us to do that that this word Abba This intimate connection with God as our Father was gifted to us by Jesus. It was seared on the minds of the disciples, and it's got to be seared on our minds as well. In the first recorded sentence of Jesus speaking, he's 12 years old, and they say, where were you, Jesus? And he said, you didn't know I'd be at Abba's house. I'd be at my father's house. 
The first word the prodigal son says when he returns home is, is Abba. The first word in the Lord's Prayer is Abba. The first word in the Garden of Gethsemane is Abba. The first word on the cross is Abba, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The last words Jesus says on the cross is Abba, into your hands I commit my spirit. So if you've come to know Jesus, you've been adopted and God is your father and, and he cares for you and he sustains you and he wants to be seen as trustworthy in your life. And so we've got to trust our father again. And we've got to know that Jesus was dependent on his father and we can be too. Uh, last summer I went down in, when we were in California, we went to the ocean with our kids. And we were in Ventura where the, the waves are pretty big and both of uh, my daughters wanted to get in the water. And what was interesting is they were terrified to get in the water without me. And so if I was with them, they would get a little bit more courageous and they would go forward. But ultimately, when the, wind, when the waves got too strong, they wanted me to carry them. And so as the wave got strong and the water got deep, uh, I, I remember my daughter, Lucy, she, she wanted me to pick her up. So I picked her up and she would say, hey, let's go out further. And so you know how the waves work. They come and then they get small and then they come. And, and, and as the waves would come and it would look like they were going to crash over, she would just look at me. Almost like, hey, do you see what's coming? And I'm like, yeah, I see it, don't worry. And, and so then the moment would come and we would jump over the wave and get a little bit of water in our face and she would laugh and, and we'd kind of have this moment of calm and then she would look and oh no, here comes another wave. And so she would not look at the wave, she would look at me. And she would get her read on the situation from me. She trusted me. She knew that, that she could cling to me when the waves came. There was a dependence she had on me. And that's what this looks like for us to get our cues from our Father, not to get our cues from the waves. And every time a wave of anxiety comes, we turn and give it back to God. And over time, by the grace of God, we can become as dependent on God the Father as Jesus was. That is the end game of our life, to become as dependent on God the Father as Jesus was. And the pathway to that is confession, and it's prayer without ceasing, and it's that our minds and our hearts would ultimately be changed. So resonate, I, I want us to be those kind of people. And so I, I know that this is virtual, but I, I want us to try something even now. And so many of us have the screen on full screen and we're participating in this, uh, but just for the moment, we're gonna, we're gonna give you a chance right now to be vulnerable collectively together. And so if you would, take just a moment, we're, we're gonna turn on a timer in just a second. We want to ask you to engage the chat. And in the chat feature, would you take a moment and would you just type out the things in your life that you are struggling with, the things that are making you anxious, the things you're worried about? Would you just be vulnerable and put that in the chat? And then after a few minutes have passed and we've had a chance to confess the things that we're anxious about, we're actually going to give you a couple of minutes to scroll through the chat and pray for people in the church. And just pray that God would be with them and God would sustain them and God would give him his thoughts about that thing. And if you know these people, you can text them, you can reach out to them. But we want to take a minute to even practice right now confessing our anxieties and then praying for one another that we might experience the healing that Jesus offers. So let's take a moment to engage the chat and pray for one another.
hey, I want to say thanks for participating in that and having some vulnerability to share with uh, others what you're struggling with and being able to pray for one another, knowing that that's a pathway towards freedom. Uh, to help continue uh, this conversation and to give us an opportunity to talk about uh, questions you may have uh, tomorrow at noon, uh, Pacific Standard Time, we're going to have an Instagram TV uh, showing. And so if you have any questions that you want answered from this sermon, uh, just text this number right here, and those questions will be engaged tomorrow uh, on Instagram. So, hey, let me remind us of one thing as we, uh, as we close out in a time of worship. Uh, our, our hearts, they will become a prayer factory when we realize, like Jesus did, that we are completely dependent on our Father to provide. Our heart will become a prayer factory when we, when we realize, like Jesus did, that our hearts... Sorry, that, that we're dependent upon our Father to provide. And so the anchor for us in this season that we're in, this, and, and really for our entire lives, this anchor is that God is good, and he's our Father, and he cares for us, and he sustains us, and that, that's an anchor for us. And then our sail, the thing that will push us forward into a life of freedom, is that we have access to an ongoing, constant conversation with our God. Use this. Talk to God. Share with Him. And what will happen over time, it's, it's really profound. It's really beautiful. When we stop trying to control our lives and we allow our anxiety and our worry to, to bring us to God, then what happens is, is our, our world changes. We, we no longer worry about our lives. We just start watching our lives. So, so here's, here's what I mean. We, we stop being out front trying to design everything and we actually pull back a little bit and we recognize that we are inside of God's drama. And every opportunity that we have to be anxious is really an opportunity to trust and see what God's going to do in this situation. Then your life starts to sparkle with wonder and starts to sparkle with joy because you recognize that you're inside of God's story and you're watching him work things together for his glory and for your good. So this may seem like a strong word from the scripture today, but it's true that the believer in Jesus should have a life that is characterized by a freedom from anxiety. And so let's help each other walk in that. Let's, let's use village times and huddles time to help each other walk in that. And let's operate with, with one sentence prayers that we breathe in. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Uh, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Something I, I've been praying recently just because of this passage was, God, you care about me. God, you sustain me. You care about me. You sustain me. So maybe your action step from this is to write out that that one sentence prayer that you want to breathe in and breathe out so that when those anxieties come, you can turn them into opportunities to pray and to engage our God. So don't disengage when anxiety comes. That's what the enemy wants. Let's engage when anxiety comes because that's what God wants. So we're going to sing one last song to close out. Remembering the truth and declaring the truth that God is sovereign over all, and that's good news for us. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. If you are a college student in the Northwest, or if you simply want to see college students come to know Jesus, please connect with us by visiting Resonate.net.